As always, I am with your other co-host, Fabian. What's up, Fabian? Hi, everyone. And today we're going to talk about innovations in the cycling industry, especially in the fizzier world, even there is not that much. We're going to talk about what's new and yeah, what's what happened in the last few years uh, in the cycling industry. Not that much, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And yeah, besides innovation, we will maybe also discuss like what would be nice to have, right? Yeah, 100%. So like you said, uh, even though the for us it seems like the fixed community is is massive, in if you compare it like relative to the cycling industry, like uh, road bikes, gravel, mountain bike, it's it's pretty tiny, pretty small. So innovation doesn't really catch up that fast in this area, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but if you don't want to listen to innovation, but you want to know more about. The recent show we watched, or Fabian University theories that he just finished, or about Hello Fresh, the best way to get groceries delivered. No, it's not an ad. <laughs> so I do, I do, I do talk about Hello Fresh because I just tried it. This <laughs> is listen, not a sponsor. No, no. So if you if you want to listen about just like like casual stuff like that, then make sure to check out the pre-show. Uh, the pre-show you can access via pledging at any level on our Patreon. More info on that at the end of this show. All right. So yeah, um, there's no that much innovation into the cycling, uh, like especially into fixed gear, right? No. Uh, the cycling industry, we saw a lot of new things, of course, but fixed gear being pretty basic bikes, not that much. No. So yeah, there's only so much you can do, right? In the end. Yeah. Especially if you want them to be. I mean, most people listening or like cycling fixed gear, they probably. Well, I don't know most, but many are doing it for fun. So UCI shit doesn't apply. But if you look at innovation, lot like a big incentive for for companies to innovate is for like big events and and stuff like that, right? Yeah. And that's where UCI uh, rules do apply, which also stops innovation to to some extent. Yeah, <laughs> we talked about it. Too yeah, last oh episode. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> but yeah, one thing that like the popularity got bigger and bigger in 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 the last few years i would say in the last two three years is gravel cycling of course uh people want to go a little bit off the beaten path right Definitely. and i mean to some extent you could see uh, the influence of gravel cycling onto fixed gear yeah there's like the in the last few years the bikes they've the frames that have been produced for fixed gear, they've come with wide tire clearance, like maybe more for street use, but also inadvertently for gravel. Uh, nowadays, there's also bike fixed gear bikes just for, like specifically for gravel and off-road, right? So that's yeah, a, de- a track definite, lacrosse in general. Yeah, so that's a definite definite departure from like traditional velodrome or or street use. Yeah, which is also nice to see. Because sometimes some of my friends, they buy like old school uh, French track frames, right? Mm. And they're like, dude, I can only fit like 20C tires in there. You can't ride that on the street. That <laughs> 20C is just nah. It's like there's a wrong wrong shaped leaf. It will kill you. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, and even right now with so with gravel uh cycling, we saw like more and more rims, like wider inner width rims, and the fact that tubeless also got popularized a lot. Uh, and now you can even see people riding fizz gear track lacrosse that actually use tubeless technology. Yeah, definitely. So tubeless makes more sense. Like, depends. On, on gravel, it makes sense, right? Where there's lots of debris and a potential for punctures. But tubeless is also handy if you're on... I don't know, not, not every city has the best roads. And some cities, they have more shit on the roads and potholes or whatever. And then maybe that's where they make sense as well. Yeah. Only problem with tubeless is when you need to change your retire. I mean, any tire, to be honest. But the fact that you need like the a special pump and that sealant and everything is just yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure when you get used to it, it's easy and fast. But at the beginning, it it sounds like everybody is making a mess. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like <laughs> all a, that slimy liquid, the slimy fluid around you. Yeah, it's like an '80s hentai. <laughs> <laughs> but I've seen like people. There are these things called uh, dyno dyno plugs. I think dyno plug. Yeah, yeah. they they look pretty cool. I saw like a video where if you have a puncture in a, like a bigger puncture in um, a tubeless tire, you basically stab it with the dyno plug. And it seals it. And you can just yeah, keep riding. Yeah. The first time I saw that, I was like, wait, it doesn't sound intuitive at all. You'd stab your tire yeah, to repair time. it. It's yeah. like, what the fuck? But yeah, it's actually a thing. And it, it sounds like it works pretty well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I have, whenever I cycle, I always carry like a CO2, um, uh, inf um, yeah. A CO2 canister. In, yeah. Yeah. And in a canister and the inflator as well. And the tube and uh, tire levers. But I swear, I've, the only time I've had a flat was like two years ago with you when we went to the beach, and that's oh, when yeah. I and that's when I bought the those those things. Since then, I've never had a flat. So <laughs> I think I have that same canister for a few years now too. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm tubeless sounds awesome, but I don't know how useful it would be for me because I don't do gravel either. Maybe it would be more useful if I did that more, of course. Yeah. So let's see. So yeah, larger rims, uh, tubeless tires. Basically everything that is gravel related, right? Yeah. It's really taking off now. Yeah. You can always apply some of the new body stuff to fixed gear. Uh, what we also saw into the recent years is I felt more, I would say, minor wheels manufacturers that target, of course, road bikes, but also track bikes yeah for example like armor wheels or spin on these mm. the good thing with this is i think wheel manufacturers that target track bikes they finally understood that yes some peoples are going to go to the velodrome with this but i think most of our clients will actually ride on the street yeah so they need clincher so wheel manufacturers are actually making clincher track wheel set rather than tubular track wheel set that are so a pain to ride on the street yeah so it's like they're also like broadening then they're yeah it's nice and they're they're responding to like what the consumer wants in the end and uh, like spin on these at least they're i think they're pretty very popular in the netherlands i see them a lot at like the annual crit series they sponsor oh, a lot really of, yeah they sponsor a lot they, of the people here they're pretty expensive too though yeah 
So what I, what I understood from, from sponsors is like they don't actually own the rims. They they get to keep them and then they return them if they they stop riding or something like that, or they have to pay oh. or, or they pay like a much cheaper price. But I always thought it was like, okay, here you get to keep it for free, and then if you stop riding, oh, it's fine. But no, it's it's like a loan in the end. So maybe it was na- naive of me to think that every year, sponsored cyclists they get to keep all this shit. I think Canyons does it for the sponsored riders. They just like supply everything, and at the end of the season, they can just give it back or buy it for like sixty percent off. Ah, yeah, and then they get the or they get in the new version for the new year, and then they return the old one. Like stuff like that, right? Yeah. But yeah, so more track options, track wheel sets. Yeah, and it, it feels good to have more options because, I don't know, like a few years back, finding a track wheel set that was clincher, I mean, a carbon track wheel set that was clincher was, it was a pain. Yeah. You, you basically had to buy like a clincher road wheel set and release it. And now you've got like stores in the US, like Retrogression and the looks, they have their own carbon wheel sets, which are more affordable than buying zips new or something and releasing them, of course. Yes. And there's also like, I feel more hubs options and, you know, like a wider range for, for every budget out there. Mm. Yeah. So that that's pretty good that we get more options. Hmm. Another thing, and we already tackle into that before, but in the recent years, we saw an explosion really of uh, chain ring choice in the figure market. Yeah, like like the um, the independent manufacturers, right? Like the yeah. R and we interviewed in the two episodes ago. Yeah, so like R and chain rings, altered chain rings, and all the other. Uh, there is way more. Uh, choice right now because before it was Zen, Dura Ace, Sugino 75s, uh, maybe a profile chain ring, but that was pretty much it. Yeah, so it was pretty limiting, and there was, those were like manufactured for like the the track cyclists and like the, the the traditional track cyclists in the end, right? Yes. On on one side though, I feel like uh, the 144 BCD chain rings. Are getting the cooler treatment out of every other chain rings. <laughs> there is no road chain ring why where, where I think like, holy shit, this is the coolest chain ring I ever saw. Yeah, neither say that. Track but... chain rings are just so much better looking, right? Yeah, there's more like inv- individualization in the track chain ring, like yeah, it, the field. So it looks they they have really cool options in in the end, which is nice. Like with with road chain rings, I'm sure there are like other versions, like like special carbon chain rings, like extra light or something. But they don't look colorful or anything or have design. It's just yeah, it's pretty monotone in the end. I feel it's the thing that is really fixed gear focused is bikes being more simple. There is just way more space for creativity. Yeah. For, I don't know, like color anodizing that we'll talk about that later or just more attractive shapes. But everything is pretty basic in the end, but people are going all out onto paint jobs or yeah, custom things. Yeah. 
yeah like when it comes to road bikes or, or geared bikes rather you can there are all of these different components that you can mix and match it's like building a computer right yeah like all these different individual things you choose and like shifters and brakes and cables and and, and group sets whatever and with track bikes there's only so much that you can change without still being a track bike then people will go instead of yeah they will work with what they have which is the frame the chain ring handlebars etc and you come out and it produces some really cool results sometimes. Yeah, because, yeah, it's basic, but I don't know how many years later, but people still have, still creates new things. When you see on, you know, on Reddit or anywhere, Instagram, when you see new builds that makes you feel something, you're like, wow, this is, this feels new. Even if it's like the same principle, uh, the same basic parts. Yeah, it's it, it feels new. And when it comes to like frames, there's also like like you said, fi the average fixed gear frame is the same, right? Like the horizontal dropouts, the top tube, down tube, like a normal bike. But in the past, so this was a long time ago, but there were like the more we touched upon in the previous uh, episode as well. There were the more like daring frames, like the the Tachyon yeah. or the Yamaguchi with no top tube, like all these different things. So that type of innovation we don't really see anymore, unfortunately with the like in terms of frame i mean there's like the only one i can rethink of is like vice maybe with the asymmetrical seat stays yeah that's really cool that's different yeah that's different and now he's making he's making like aluminum version a steel version the road bike a gravel bike like he's making a lot of stuff mm. Yeah, good for him. Back to chain rings real quick, but I don't know how to pronounce the name of that company, but Digirit, D-I-D-I-R-I-T. So it's a company based in Taiwan and they're making carbon chain rings and carbon cogs for fixed gear use. That's pretty new. That's that's pretty cool. Actual full-blown carbon chain ring, not like the old Sugino 75 CHCD chain rings where they were like carbon core but it's actually an aluminium on the outside right aluminium teeth on the outside yeah so it's like full carbon and i'm wondering how that kind of stuff is holding up i uh, kind of want to try one to be honest yeah i'm kind of curious as well like they don't on the website unfortunately they don't they don't say the weight as far as i know but I'm sure it's very, very, very light for the cogs, for example. Yeah, it's pretty pricey, though. Uh, <laughs> I think it's like 200 almost $200 for, for a chain ring. Yeah, that would make sense. Like, the, the cog, I think it's like $68. So then the chain ring, yeah, 200 And you need the adapter to put the cog because, you you know, it's actually like a little bit like the mesh system where you, you screw something onto your hub and then the cog fit onto that part. Ah, like that. Okay. Yeah. That's a bit annoying, but yeah, it's something new. I mean, you don't change your cog every two days, but... No. Yeah. Yeah, so that's like, that's something maybe that's perhaps like catching up then in, in the fixed gear world. Like the road, the road world, I think they had a few options for carbon chain rings. And then in the fixed gear world, there was, like you said, the, the CHCD, but that wasn't full carbon. Yeah. And now there's this. Yeah. And the fact that there is so much force going on to attract chain ring. So 
either if it's like an absolute monster of a track racer that's going to put like 700 watts <laughs> at like you know uh, on that chain ring or if it's just like the actual the average pixie fool like you and me that's just gonna skid and so put force that is not supposed to be on that chain ring because it's like backward force or whatever um like the fact that it's carbon it needs to be like super super i felt super sturdy right and super durable yeah yeah definitely one of the points where it's like make it or break it if something goes wrong everything else just falls apart yeah because carbon chain rings on road bikes we've seen that for like a few years now but it's not the same amount of forces you put onto a road carbon chain ring so it I'll be pretty interested to see how how it will do in time. Yeah. W Base in Tokyo, they're selling those. And I think Marco, uh, he put a cog and a chain ring on his Brooklyn Mashinworks. And he's riding pretty hard. So I guess it's it can make a pretty good test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see how it holds up. Yeah. Um, yeah, moving on. Like It's still in the same area, like drivetrain. There's also the new Russian Rakeda. They've developed a new um, crank, right? Yeah. So this was actually the inspiration for this episode because it was the first time in the while that I saw something completely new into the fixed gear industry. So I'm just going to read the caption of the Instagram post they did uh, to announce that product. Despite the great progress the bike industry made in recent years, the track segment remain almost completely ignored by engineers and designers. When we started making bike parts, our primary goal was to bring the track component up to date. When carefully studied the principles on which modern road bikes are designed and adopted those principles to track bike parts. We once made this trick with the hubs and now we made it with this crank. This episode is not sponsored by Russian Rakita, by the way. <laughs> no. But they took a SRAM, I think it's a SRAM Red or SRAM Force crank uh, that is direct mount, and they put like a 144 BCD spider on it, so you can put any track chain ring. It is a CNC machine parts. It looks super complicated to machine. Yeah, it's very intricate. Yeah. I mean, well done. I yeah. really, really hope this is not a proof full. <laughs> because I won one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like, it's definitely like, um, yeah, like a, basically a road conversion to it to, for track bikes. But if it's done well, it could, it could work. Like, of course, there's the 144 BCD problem, but also bottom bracket, chain line. Like, there's a lot of things you need to take into consideration to actually make a product like that. So I am super curious about how this is going to work. Uh, SRAM cranks, never tried those because I don't own a road bike or a gravel bike, but I mean, they look pretty good and people are saying good things about it. Yeah. I'll be, I'll be keen on, on trying that. Yeah. So then something to look out for, maybe I'm not sure if they're available yet, but definitely something that's cool to see how people, yeah, how, how what they experience using them. But I find the original ID to be pretty good. Like the road cycling industry is always moving forward and why not just apply that to 
the fixed gear industry by making adapters basically because this is just an adapter it's it sounds like a good idea to me yeah like it all comes down to whether people are really gonna buy it then in the end right if it's worth it or not for companies yeah it will depend on the price of course yeah and it's a pretty niche item it's like right now if you want to attract crank what are your choices right you either go shimano sugino campagnolo that's pretty much it like a rotor maybe there's mesh there's andal you get other ones like blb or yeah 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 i mean there's there's a there's not that many options in the in the big picture of course compared to like road or or geared bikes at least yeah definitely something that's definitely something that's like it can be considered an innovation from raketa offering another option to people despite it probably being quite expensive yeah or yeah I'm not sure about the price, but I haven't seen it, but I imagine it's it's pricier than some of the things out there. The good thing with SRAM arm cranks is like they come into 165. Yeah, so the perfect length. Yeah, perfect length for track bikes. I mean, not for everyone, but for me, I ride 165. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm just waiting for an adapter for like the, the EE wings can create cranks <laughs> <laughs> sell your kidney for that one yeah the, the, how much are those they're like 1000 right for just the... yeah. oh, <laughs> they, they look fantastic they look amazing though but they're very expensive wait it it's direct mount too so that <laughs> adapter actually could work on two ee wings you can try it i mean yeah <laughs> We'll see. We'll see if there's one bowler out there that can figure this out while buying everything. There, yeah. Test bunny for us. That's another pretty good innovation uh, for the face gear community. Yeah. Um, and then besides, like, what normal bikes use nowadays is like a normal drivetrain with a metal like chain, right? But yeah. then there's also, of course, belt drives, and these are. At least most time I see belt drives are there on city bikes, like commuter bikes, whatever, because of the low maintenance and everything. But Schindelhauer, based in Berlin, they also have a track bike, a single speed track bike with belt drive. And I believe one of the contestants on like a rad race or something a few years ago, two or three years ago, he was using the belt drive fixed gear in, in the crit. And I've seen other people that use belt drive fixed gear and they say it's really, yeah, it's really cool as well definitely something i want to try out because it's just so different i mean i'm not yeah. i'm not really sure if there's any like power transmission benefits or or disadvantages or whatever but i think it's a cool system well the obvious benefit is maintenance yeah. because you can i think you can run a bell drive for way longer than a chain right yeah or like i heard the like one disadvantage is that if you want like 4917 that's 2.3 ratio or something like that but if you want that with belt drive the chain ring is much bigger and the cog is much bigger and there's limited uh options for like belt drive oh, yeah. cogs and chain rings and of course frames like Ginelli tuto used to be belt drive compatible but not anymore i think 4917 is 2.8 i will uh, never forgive you for this <laughs> 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 sorry i don't want that anymore <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, a bell drive, there is even, so before to fit a bell drive onto your frame, you needed a frame that could open 
on the seed stays. But now there's bell drive that can actually be detached and put back together. So you don't need that special lug slash opening onto your frame anymore. No, no definitely not. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious in trying that. And I mean, I, I think like most, like 99.9% .9 of people, like no one actually needs bell drive. It's just some benefit and it's it's cool yeah, it's kind of have, a novelty thing yeah especially with fixed gear like cleaning a chain is so easy yeah and the the amount of maintenance on a figure is already not that big so no <laughs> adding a bell drive to the mix and you just like don't touch up like for years now <laughs> one other thing that got i feel more and more popular in the in the recent years is carbon frames and carbon parts. You can really see that it's now pretty common to see like a Planet X or a Dolan Seta or those kind of carbon track bikes that, I don't know, like a few years back, it would be like, whoa, dude, you have carbon. You sure you, sure you want to ride down the street? Yeah. Back then it was kind of like the super fragile, expensive um yeah material but now it's way yeah. more common and way more affordable as well uh, yeah e even like uh we talked about it last episode but argon 18 also makes yeah. carbon yeah and those are i think also like fairly affordable so of course carbon track bikes they can come in the super high-end models like the for the ones that are used by track stars on the olympics wherever but they're also more affordable options for the average user i would say yeah, even look, they released like a, a pretty affordable, take this with quotes, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. But yeah, a pretty affordable carbon track bike. I think it's the Madison or something. It's not their full-blown aero thingy. It's more like of a crit bike. And I felt Criterium, we didn't get that many in, in the last two years because of COVID and everything. But Criterium definitely like pushed fixed gear technology forward right yeah fixed gear criterium got really really popular thanks to red hook crit and all the all the other ones the fact that it get popular and brands actually sponsoring people creating new products for criterium and all that stuff so i think look they have a really really popular and strong uh, they, they win almost everything criterium team and to develop a new frame, a carbon frame for the Criterium team to ride. Because before they were limited to, they couldn't take the really crazy carbon frames onto Criterium because it's just not nimble enough for that kind of use. So they had to use the aluminum models. And now that they're using the carbon models, it's benefit for the average customer that want a carbon bike on the street or even a carbon bike that is a little bit more affordable than the crazy aero ones out there yeah so definitely it's becoming more available which is a good thing as well i guess yeah but what's next after carbon what do you think is next well it depends of course like well titanium i think i don't know if that's next maybe i think like if you upgrade from carbon to titanium it's not really an upgrade more like a like a side grade it's kind of identical in terms of, at least from what I've read, in terms of like weight and stiffness and all that, the only difference would be like like how long it lasts, because carbon, if you ride it hard for for whatever time, it can become fatigued after a while. While titanium is pretty durable in that sense, 
Yeah. But besides that, I mean, I I read, I saw this one like YouTube video, I think by GCN, about magnesium bikes. Oh yeah. And those are supposed to supposedly giving similar like weight benefits and stiffness benefits as carbon titanium, and they're very, well, somewhat affordable to make, more affordable than carbon at least. But so far, I think only one or two companies make magnesium bikes even. Because I guess you need like special equipment and everything. Yeah, I think so. But that's that like that in itself is definitely a big innovation. Like yeah. new material. Yeah, new material. We talked about this last episode, but Bastion using 3D printed titanium lugs. That kind of innovation could make its way into fixed gear in like, I don't know, decades, but <laughs> it could work. <laughs> yeah, it could. It'd be cool to see. Yeah, something that is really innovative and we saw i think it released two years ago but the hope collaboration with lotus for the 2020 olympics well it'll probably be in 2022 or cancelled i don't know um but that bike they released it, it looks crazy uh it is crazy and it costs not a number but basically your entire body if you want to Ford one. It's a peculiar looking bike, right? It looks like like something from Star Trek or something. <laughs> it looks insane. Like yeah, like really pushing the limits of what they can do, like uh, UCI wise, I think. But it looks amazing. I, th- I think it's also super expensive if you want one for yourself or your amateur track team or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but it has like that super super wide fork that is supposed to cut the airstream. The and so. You have less air resistance on your legs while pedaling. Yeah. Yeah, and it has like all. It's not even tubing, right? It's like I don't know, carbon fiber blades everywhere. Uh, and there is also three D printed titanium parts, I think. And yeah, I think so. And then also the seat stays are really strange looking. Yeah. Like, like they they extend all the way until above the top tube. And they're really wide and yeah, it's all for aerodynamics, I suppose. It's just it's it's a futuristic looking bike, all I can say. In the end you just want to put seven fifty risers on it <laughs> and go shred. <laughs> 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 but I feel like the stuff we see onto Velodromes never really makes its way onto like consumers market. No. No, definitely not. And I think that's also because of the the price of like the the research and and production in the end. Like these things will always be just for national teams and pro teams and stuff like that. Yeah, like the the high 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 end shit. On that bike, the seat stays and the fork is eight centimeters deep. <laughs> How big is that? Just imagine like your fork being eight centimeters deep. That's massive. Crazy what they can do. Yeah. But on the other side, it's like super thin if you see if you see it from like the, the, front, the front, right? Yeah. yeah. It's like super, super thin. So carbon fiber definitely can make some crazy stuff with it. I am wondering when UCI is going to ban this because they're definitely going to ban it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty, it's a, pretty cool looking bike yeah definitely and i think it will look really good just in the velodrome 
with the in the right events rather than yeah. on the street. I don't want to see this on the street. No. No. <laughs> I don't even know if it can actually take because all those blade shaped well tubes kind of uh, like parts they're supposed to take like a force in a certain direction but your force you create when you side skid or i don't know when you do things that is not built for yeah risky yeah can it even take that i don't know probably not yeah probably i mean and if you if you do that and it fucks up then you're out of like what ten thousand euros or something for breaks yeah, probably more. That's <laughs> <laughs> looking crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see it in action, though, whenever the Olympics, maybe. Who knows? They actually talked about maybe, like, moving it to, I think, like, 2024 or something. Still in so, Japan, though, or, or yeah, somewhere else. So, like, hmm. next will be in Paris, I believe. And next, uh, after Paris, will actually be back in Japan. I saw like somewhere that the only time I think so far the only time that the Olympics has been cancelled was in during the Second World War when it was supposed to be in Japan. Oh man, so, this is so cursed. Yeah, it's really unlucky. Oh god. Okay. Uh yeah, moving on. The one thing that I think is a really, really cool innovation. It's not related to fixed gear, but at least it's for road bikes, and it's by the Dutch company called Classified. And these guys, they want to get rid of the front derailleur basically by having, by designing the special smart uh, rear hub. So it's one cassette, but, and you will have one front chain ring, but it will give you the same, yeah, gear spread as having a 2x system. And how does it work? So I'm not, ex it's, I'm not exactly sure how it works, but there's like an internal gear hub in the rear hub and you can switch between two different modes from your handlebars and that will somehow extend the range of whatever cassette is on there oh so, so you, have you have one cassette but you have also two gears inside the hub so you, yeah. it doubles your cassette basically basically like that yeah so even though you only have one chain ring in the front it's it's the same as having two in the front with this system except That's in this crazy. system you don't have a front derailleur but yeah they, it's it's a really cool system and if it takes off I think that would be awesome. But like right now, you can buy the system with the wheels, so the carbon wheels, I think for like 2,000 euros, all inclusive, which I guess could be worse. But at the same time, a front derailleur isn't that big of a problem. Yeah. In general. But yeah, I think it's a cool thing to, to see. They said like 22 gears, small steps, 451% of gear range. Yeah. That's massive. Yeah, and the shifting is supposed to be really like much smoother than anything like Dura Ace Di2 or whatever. Like you can shift under thousand watt load perfectly. Okay. Like there's no. I, yeah, yeah, I see there. So like you have one chain ring, and they said you have one also virtual smaller chain ring. Yeah. So if you have FT fifty four, your virtual chain ring is thirty seven, and and so on. If you have like a fifty virtual chaining is a 34 that's amazing that's wow okay that's crazy there's, there's like a video of like gcn i think and, and another pro cyclist i forgot his name unfortunately but this pro cyclist apparently he said he's 
fuck if i knew the name this would make more sense but it will be in the like show a, notes <laughs> yeah yeah so it's, it's a pro cyclist who is known for pushing out crazy wattage and supposedly he tried this and after one ride he wanted to become an investor for the company because he was so impressed and the, the ability to shift up and down while climbing a hill while pushing heavy watts and having no problems shifting gears that's that's i think is a really cool feature as well yeah and it goes along with all that because it's wireless yeah so it goes along with all that electric shifting we saw into the last few years uh it took off so strong and now it's i mean on it on every high-end road build you see electronic shifting right yeah yeah definitely i think yeah electronic shifting is such a cool thing as well and it also prevents the overuse of cables for, for like shifting and brakes and whatever but all of these things are, are not really applicable for fixed gear world at least and i don't really know how anything like this could be translated for fixed gear world yeah. maybe only the integrated cables part for people running brakes that could possibly be translated yeah. to the fixed gear setting i always wonder if one day we're going to see wireless brakes I don't know if I would trust that, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it will probably be everyone's answer. Like, I don't know if I'm going to trust that. And no. next thing you know, 10 years later, everybody is running wireless brakes. Like, it's like it's like Tesla. They want to eventually remove the steering wheel, right? Yeah. And now I, I saw an article that they also want to put the gear changing on the, on the screen, the touchscreen. And that feels like... That feels weird. Yeah. Like, I don't want... I mean, at least with gear changing, it's not that big of a deal. But if you have like brakes linked to a system that can suddenly shut off for some reason, like an electronic system, if you have, don't have enough battery or whatever, that's really scary. It is scary. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? Maybe in 10 years, it will become like a new norm and they develop it to a point where you don't have to be scary anymore, you know? But I don't know. It's, 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 it's strange to think about now. Yeah, and there's definitely some companies that are pushing innovation, like they're pushing the market, right? I think it uh, suddenly released a new road bike and it has no path-through. People were like, hey, what's up? Uh, where does the cable goes? And suddenly it was like, no cables, my Fuck boy. You, you just, you just <laughs> go like, electronic shifting. Oh, okay, but it's expensive. Yeah, you just, yeah, figure it out. Yeah, it's like, that's kind of like, <laughs> I mean, now I don't want to shit on Chinelli, but yeah, we heard that, Yeah, you know, how they are recently. Um, yeah, so moving on, one thing that could benefit fixed gear riders, I, uh, potentially, at least those using brakes, is like a DEDA, a DEDA internal routing system. So DEDA, as well as FSA and BMC, they have, I believe, they have these systems where if you have their fork, their stem, and their handlebars, you can completely integrate all your cables and hide them within like the steerer tube and the fork and the frame so you have no visible cables in the end. So for those running brakes, this could be some one way to really like bling up your bike. But of course, this comes at a pretty high cost if you need all of the same, all of the like the super specific parts from one company. So of course, it's, it's, it's a high price just to hide one or two cables in the end but also something in your option. Yeah, you plan to getting this, right? I mean, I'm I'm really considering it because I think I really like the look if everything's integrated. And 
I was look, kind of making like some test calculations, and if I get everything from data, it would be like 500, 600, including the fork. For a fork, a stem, and a handlebar, right? Yeah. 500? Yeah. It doesn't sound as expensive as I thought, because an NV fork is already 500, right? Yeah. So like, I'm, I'm kind of curious like what I'm missing, because I don't know why I couldn't use like a normal, like, like a normal, uh, into like a handlebar with the the holes in the back for internal routing because they are like canyon makes them zip makes them like if, if i could just use that and a normal stem or whatever, or, or i mean not just a normal stem their stem but a normal handlebar it could be even cheaper of course hmm. interesting but like in either case it's it's whatever i'm paying it's just to hide my only front brake that i'd be having yeah so. Something to think about for me in the end, if it's worth it or not. Do you plan to put like two hoods just for look or do you plan to just run a little lever? No, two hoods for sure. Two hoods, okay. Just for comfort as well, I think. Yeah, yeah I can definitely feel like the, my wrist when I'm riding drops for a long time with no hoods. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it gets a little bit hard on your wrist, even with normal road drops like not super narrow track drops mm. yeah cable integration and the fact and the thing you want to make everything invisible uh it's something that took off and it looks pretty but man you need really need to put down the price for that kind of stuff yeah like the the, the scary thing is that like if you want to buy the special fork for it, it the only difference is that the fork has like a small hole at the steerer tube and I don't know. I mean, I'm not. I'm not advising anyone to do this, and I would never do it. But it's just one hole. It's just like a guy with a drill making a hole in the in the fork, right? Nah, it's not. It's not a guy <laughs> in the drill. It's. I think like there's an actual carbon structure thing that has been engineered and designed. <laughs> uh, I fucking hope so. If I'm paying the exact price for that, <laughs> yeah. But it just seems like such like a tiny, tiny detail. But with carbon, yeah, tiny details really matter then, of course. And you cannot really change anything yourself at home with some 50-euro drill. Don't drill your carbon No, I'm, I'm, ne- I'm, like I said, <laughs> yeah, don't, no one do this. I'm never going to do it. Just like, you know, like something you think about in the shower sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what about if I just, yeah, just puck a hole into it? <laughs> it's just like a small hole. Who cares? No one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> How will they know? No one will know. <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, I guess in that case, better to leave it up to the professionals. With all that stuff, so like new materials, so titanium carbon, uh, I mean, not new, but getting more affordable and frames that got wider tire clearance with the democratization of gravel, track lacrosse and everything, like all those little things, I feel like people are taking their track bikes little bit more everywhere and out of the city yeah uh so like of course track lacrosse but like i've so people like hill climb and track packing is a thing and doing long distance cannonball runs i think i feel like track bikes are getting a little bit everywhere you know yeah it's like the the real like one of the, the big benefits of track bikes is that they're often much cheaper than than road bikes yeah so i mean at least new and this allows anyone to really cycle. And if they really want to use that bike to do something, there's a good chance that they can do it. 
it's just a bit harder or much harder. Yeah. But yeah, it's a lot of things is possible with track bikes nowadays, which is nice to see as well. It's a big departure from just being like this super like elitist velodrome only thing, you know? A few things we saw uh, in, in the last few years is some like fun parts for a really, really niche market. I didn't know about some of those until last week, but Fabian mm -hmm. maybe discovered. So like, there's like that Surly double cock thing. Yeah. And uh, so Surly, I think also Wabi used to make them, but so neither of them actually make them anymore, but it's like a double cog. So it's two cogs of different sizes. So 17 teeth and 19 teeth or 17 and 20 teeth. And they would be together with a small gap and you can, um, thread them onto one side of a fixed hub with a lock ring, of course. And then you have basically, uh, yeah, you can easily change your ratio just by moving your wheel forward a bit and changing and moving the chain over to the left or to the right. And that would allow someone with one, uh, a one-sided fixed gear, uh, hub to have two gears, like, so to say. Uh-huh. But you need the 332 chain ring, uh, chain, right? Yes, yeah, so that's one thing then. It has 332 um, inch chain rather than a 18 uh, chain ring. Uh, chain, sorry. And I've never actually seen these in real life or they're not, they're not sold anywhere I can see anymore. But it's, it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see what used to be out there. It is such a niche item because most of track hubs are already double-sided. Yeah. So it will be like... Either you want you have a fixed gear, but you want four gears, and you put like two of those on either side, <laughs> um, or either you have a single-sided fixed gear hub, but you want to run two cogs, and so you yeah get one of those. That's that's so niche. That's, that's yeah. such for a small part of the population, like s such a specific need, right? Yeah. So I'm not surprised that they're not in production anymore. Yeah. One thing that was cool and suddenly made uh, years back was the Surly Fixer. You could take the take uh, the cassette out of a Shimano Road Hub and you put that Surly parts, and it was basically a a fixed gear hub. Now that's wild. Yeah, that that's <laughs> what uh, people use to make fixed gear spinnergies, because they were all, I mean, most of them were Shimano cassettes. So you take the cassette out, I mean, the free body out, and you put that surly fixer, and yeah, you just have like a track spinnergy now. Such an easy fix then, right? <laughs> yeah. It's such a shame as it's not there anymore. Yeah. But I think the, there's like, on Surly's blog, there's an entire article about it, and why is it not in production anymore? Because it was mm. such a niche item, and now people that are actually trying to find it, uh, it got so expensive. Oh yeah, I see it here. So from 2013, they say, we're not going to continue to produce support the fixer. It's not worth the effort. I'm not saying we'd never bring it back, but don't hold your breath. So yeah. it's a shame. And it was, what, nine years ago? Yeah, that's a long time. That's a long time. <laughs> yeah, they also say, um, if you're really upset by this and are planning to write in expressing yourself, please consider that you've had a decade to buy one. <laughs> that's one way to look at it as well okay so. true also the white industry inner hub so like that eccentric face gear rear hub yeah so if you want to set your chain tension but you have 
non-track dropout, so you're using, I don't know, like an old road bike, this is the solution for you. This is an eccentric rear hub, uh, so you can basically change and set up your chain tension, even if you don't have sliding dropouts. That's also a super niche item. Yeah, that is very, very niche. But like nowadays, I think lots of people, conversions are like really easy. If using this, it's really easy to set up a conversion properly then for fixed gear. Even though I, I believe the, the eccentric hub is pretty expensive as well. Right? Yeah. I mean, you're buying a road frame because you don't really want to put down the money to buy a track frame. But on the other side, you buy a really expensive rear hub. So you need a custom wheel. Yeah. So most of the time, it's not really worth it instead of just getting like a used fixed gear somewhere else. There's such a lot of work to, to be done on the conversion with like chain line and like a hub like this, of course. Yeah. So that's basically all the little things we saw in, in the last year. Of course, there is more, but we're not going to talk about everything today. But there is also stuff we we haven't we haven't seen. Uh, yeah. Like, I don't know, like either Campagnolo or Shimano it's been so long since they haven't made like, I don't know, a new track crank set or some new track parts. Like the Dura Ace hubs, track hubs, they've been the same for like, what, more than 10 years. Yeah, I mean, it also begs the question, like what can be changed in that point? Because they are, they run really great. And yeah, there's, what can, what can they improve on that? I mean, like, yeah. <laughs> They could do disc track hubs, right? But that's really also kind of like a niche market then. Yeah, but like, for example, you know, Suzuki, they re-released their carbon track hubs. Oh, really? Yeah. So, I mean, Dura is Campagnolo. They have like those. I, I think Campagnolo doesn't even do track hubs anymore. Uh, I mean, new ones. But... Shimano, they're selling so many Durais track hubs and they wouldn't give us like a refresh, even like, I don't know, a black version or something. It's just, yeah, uh, you take what we have and that's it. Some other stuff we haven't seen into the figure industry, for example, like press fit bottom bracket. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty happy we, we didn't get those because those look like they have so many problems in the in the long run so i'm happy we are staying with bsa standard uh thread but yeah some stuff like that that could have been applied to the fixed gear scene and just haven't yeah it's kind of kind of like a missing market for them i suppose but yeah i mean at, at least at least for me i don't really pay attention much to these bottom bracket standards to be honest <laughs> i'm sure some people do I just get, I just like find the cranks I want and Google if it fits or not. <laughs> but yeah. It's a sh yeah, it's a, sh a shame that like the big companies are missing out, but at least like as we saw, like Ra Russian Raketa and, and, um, Surly and all these other ones they have, they've made these small innovations that are for the fixed gear world then. Don't, we don't need to rely on, on Shimano or Campagnolo anymore that much. Yeah. And more than stuff that we haven't seen is stuff that just disappeared, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, I remember at some point, like, big companies like Specialized or Old City, they were making, like, fixed gear freestyle. 
frames, even leader at some point, <laughs> those completely disappeared off the market. It's like, yeah. And it's super hard to find those. I guess Fixed Gear Freestyle a few years back was even more of a small market. But yeah, just, those just don't exist. And I guess there were a super small run of those. Yeah. I feel like that's a, a problem with big companies that still are doing fixed gear is most of their frame, they're not going to renew them. They're either going to stop them or sometimes if they renew them, it's for the worst, really. Uh, I'm thinking about Specialized mostly, but if you see the Langster a few years back and the Langster now, it got like so entry level. And on the other side, they have, I don't know what's the name, but like the other specialized uh, criterium frame. And it's so expensive. So like yeah. the gap between entry level and high end frames, it got massive. Like I, I think we talked about it last week as well, but like the price of just cycling in general is just too expensive nowadays. And people like, like you see like the super high end bikes, they go for ten, fifteen thousand dollars and then the track bikes, even though they, they're not, they don't use the same uh, components and everything. The, the prices are also going up, it seems. Like yeah. they're, they're, they're really entry-level bikes they are really cheap still but then if you go like specialized they, they sell a frame set for a thousand dollars it's crazy on one side you want to support the industry by buying new and yeah telling everyone that yeah your stuff is good i'm buying a new please make more stuff but yeah. on the other side if it's completely overpriced you're like nah man i'm, I'm just gonna buy used in a few years yeah definitely and especially like companies like Specialized that already make a bunch of money from other from their other bike like adventures. If they don't they don't they don't really need to charge a thousand dollars for a track frame. I I don't know. That's pretty much official. This show is never gonna get sponsored by Specialized either. Sinelli no, was dead, but Specialized is dead too now. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Specialized. I never bought anything from you <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Specialized, prove us we're wrong and uh, yeah, do something, please. Yeah, I spell your I spell your name with an S as well. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, but. yeah, but y so in the big picture. Um, Fixed gear innovation come part from, I mean, mostly from road bikes innovation. And we kind of get all the, all the scraps of it, I guess. <laughs> yes. And yeah. uh, that was like, yeah, the, the entire theme of the show was based around like, uh, I mean, I got the idea when Raketa released that new thing is like, it's nice to sometimes have products that are completely focused around fixed gear and completely new yeah because otherwise it's just the same things just different colors or different design and in the end it's just like the same thing yeah so it's nice to see something completely different same form. same but different exactly okay guys that pretty much sums it up for today's episode uh, everything we talked about, all the reference will be in the show notes. Fabian does the show notes every time. So really, thank you for that. 
uh, yes. because the few last episodes we talked about a lot of things. So there's a lot yeah. of links and you guys make sure to check that because you'll also find the link to the Discord, our Discord server, where you can ask us questions, discuss with us, play with us, whatever you want. So everything is on the blog, slowspinsociety.com. You can also email the show if you have any question at slowspinsocietypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also text me on my personal Instagram, underscore Paul underscore you. If, if you have any innovations that we missed out to share, let us know because we're both interested in seeing what cool things have been done for the fixed gear world in the past or are being released right now. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. The music for the show is Lovely Swindler by Amaria and the illustrations are made by at Julia Ju on Instagram. You can support us by sharing the show to anyone really or by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. It really helps us out and it makes the show more visible for anyone. And if you want to support us even more and want the extended cut of the podcast, you can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Pledging at any level, we grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week or sometimes more. To give you an idea, uh, for the last four episodes or for the months of March, uh, there is the equivalent of three episodes of content. So like two hours and 40 minutes of extra content. So Damn. that's a lot of extra stuff you get for two yeah. euros a month. Yeah, or more. Uh, <laughs> yeah, or more. You can support us uh, by pledging really at any level. And really it helps us house. Uh, thank you to all our actual Patreons. Yeah. And that's it. We'll see you guys next Monday. Yeah, see you guys next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>